I'm Amy Shields. I'm Mark Frost. Hi, I'm Kimmy Robertson. So our Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book, is currently out at bluerosemag.com. It is $19.99, so get your copy today as supplies are very limited and will be running out very soon. So if you haven't got your copy today, go to bluerosemag.com today. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. We now return to How David Lynch Stole Christmas. Hello, I got you a present. It's a thumb. <laughs> don't look away. Let the fear wash over you. I don't understand. That's the whole point. Now, did you leave a plate of black coffee out for me? No. In the future, please leave a plate of black coffee out for me. Also in the past. I've got idea And welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Gazaska. Hey, Brian. Hey, Ben. How are you? Good. What are we doing today? Well, finally. This is one of the days I've been waiting for, because today we're going to cover the Twin Peaks, the complete mystery box set. I finally got to sit down and spend almost an entire afternoon watching... The stuff I didn't watch when I watched the show, rewatching stuff that I'd already seen, but I think I can appreciate it more. To end the episode off, we're going to be talking about In Between Two Worlds, and I think that's sort of like the jewel of yeah. this box set. Yeah, besides the uh, Fire Walk With Me and the deleted scenes, that was mm. a big thing. It's so funny, Like I, I was holding out for us to, to, to uh, talk about that, the Between Two Worlds, but I didn't realize, Brian, that uh, you weren't watching the rest of the this stuff because you weren't sure we were going to talk about it. So there was a lot of stuff that, even though we had, we had gone through the whole show, yeah. that you were still holding out in case... Yep. We were going to get to it at some point. At some the point. Extras and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So today's episode, we're going to focus on the box set. And I highly recommend if you're a Twin Peaks fan, you have to have this in your collection. And if yes. you don't, perfect Christmas present. It really is. It's a lot cheaper than it was when we bought it. Oh, yeah. I think it's a lot cheaper. I actually think, and I think they just repackaged it. I don't know if they dropped a. Uh... They dropped a disc. Now, when they drop the disc, does that mean there's less content or did they just yeah. cram it into another? They less content. I looked into that. They dropped one of the discs. Um, uh, yeah, you're missing some stuff. Uh, I mean, it's cheaper. I think it's like going to be $50 or somewhere around there. And I'm yeah. sure uh, with holiday prices, it might even go down more. But uh, to lose content, that's, that's not cool. Yeah, I looked into that. I believe there is content missing. Needless to say, get yourself the complete mystery. You don't want to be left out in the cold, folks. We're going to go disc by disc. So, Ben, I sat down and I was like, I'm going to put each disc in. Yeah. And, and just see what nuggets come out of each disc. Okay. So the first disc, the pilot, the international pilot, and really that's about it. And yeah, I think they it, had them log lady intros, and they had, pre if you consider those extras, previews and recaps. But that's there wasn't really much more than that. Yeah. So there was, a, but for people who haven't watched the international version, I mean, it's a story that I think you've told on this show plenty of times, mm. and I think most people know about it. So I don't think we need to get into it really. I mean, right. it was created just because, well, in case the show doesn't picked up, here's an ending. Right, so they, they were getting money from another company, and the, the deal was, is because they were getting that money that they needed to have a complete ending. As I'm getting into this box set, they said, though, you know, this is interesting, without them saying we needed an ending for the international pilot, we would not have had the Red Room. I mean, right. the Red Room came out of yeah. that, and that's so cool. What if the pilot was picked up and there was no ending? Right. Would... I feel like the Red Room would have happened, but maybe differently. Yeah. You know? And you're talking about the European pilot. For the longest time, we didn't have access to the original pilot. Like, it was always a European version. So 
back in the day when Twin Peaks first came out, they had it on VHS. They only had the European version that you could get. You couldn't get, you couldn't see the last end with, with at the time you didn't know, but Jacoby pulling out the necklace, necklace out of the ground. Yeah. And so you always had this ending where you find out who the killer is. So that was always messed up. And then I think even like when they were putting out DVDs, they still didn't have it. So it was a it was a long time till we actually finally got the original pilot available. Wow, so, yeah. that is crazy. Yeah. That's very it's all bizarre. about right. But I don't think it ever gave away the killer. Only in the sense that if you believe Bob was the killer, because mm. he says he was in, in the European oh, version, yeah, he, there, he's got this circle of candles, and he basically said, Catch you with my death bag. The letters. What were the letters going to spell? Robert. That's my proper name. Right, because we don't know what Bob is. We we don't right. know that Bob is a demonic entity or a real real person. Yeah, come to find out, he's from the Red Room, and yeah, yeah, right. yada yada yada. But you're right. So it would lead you to believe this Bob character would have been the killer. Mm. If nothing else. Right. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. So that was disc one. What do we got for disc two? So disc two, we have season one photos. Now, these are behind the scene pictures, which some interesting ones, like there's a picture of Bob smoking. Like uh, the guy, what's his name? The guy plays Bob? Frank Silva. Frank Silva is sitting there smoking a cigarette, which is very cool. A lot of the photos, I actually looked at every photo. And a lot of these photos, you can't find online. Mm Mm-hmm. Just special scenes, behind the scene photos of them. Yeah. Um, it's also kind of like having this whole collection in one place. It, it's yeah. all part of this package. You don't have to go searching for it. You just know, hey, on my Blu ray, I've got pictures, deleted scenes, all this stuff, all in one place. Exactly. But the Bob smoking, that stood out. Then there's picnic pictures of Laura and Donna <laughs> fooling around, which is really entertaining with them eating. I was looking at the picnic, what they brought on this picnic, and there was a gigantic cake. Like a gigantic. <laughs> like, what? Who put the huge cake? Right. And then there was pictures of James being all depressed, sitting uh, with his motorcycle on the cliff. Yeah. So emo, James. <laughs> so like, I'm so sad. I got, oh. I, I'm in love with two girls, and oh, my life is so hard. <laughs> I gotta take this motorcycle and go out of town. Yeah. Then these are interesting. There are ski trip photos of Laura and Audrey mm. Horn looking cool and sexy. That's it. But like I know these photos are supposed to be like tacked on, like yep. in the background, but they look so like forced. They look so kind of like they're posing for Oh yeah. They don't look natural. Like And I you... think yeah, and I think Laura and Audrey uh picture might have been on Benjamin Horn's desk or something. Yeah, right? I mean I think we so. do see it in the series, I think. So yeah. it's supposed to be them skiing. But right. it's just them posing Aww, in front of a wall. That's and funny. Yeah, it, it's kind of, it's cool. Maybe that's why it wasn't used. Yeah, it didn't look right. Too staged, maybe. Yeah. No, these are kind of cool. They have promos on here. Now, the promos, there's a recap before season two. In the summertime, it said, rewatch season one yes. before season two. So they re-aired all of season one before season two. Yes, and I, so here's what I think. I, I hate thinking that this is what happened to me, but I think I didn't watch it when it originally aired the, the first time in the spring. I might have actually heard all the hype and probably not gotten to it till the summer. I might have gone right from season one to season two. If I, so yeah, I remember them, them re wrong with that. Yeah, but I kind of want to be in the experience of, from the day one. But yeah, so I, they definitely ran it all through the summer and I think, you know, right away they were going into season two. That's awesome. Yeah. Man. That's so cool because I mean, Twin Peaks was a highly talked about show and you don't see that very often on a network yeah. to rerun something in the summertime to get you hyped for the new season. Right. Back in the day, they used to do. I think they did used to do that back in but the day. But networks don't do that no, they anymore. Don't. I mean, now we have streaming, that. and there's so many other ways. Yeah. Now they rely. I mean, they rely on DVD and Blu-ray for. Hey, I need to catch up. I'm gonna go buy. They always release the, se- the last right. season right before the new season starts. Yeah. That's their new. Right. You're right. Even like Netflix now does that. You know, like we're into Bates Motel or something like that. They'll Netflix drops seasons. it right before the new season starts. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, the models just changed. But back in the day, they did do. <laughs> you want to rely on the, the network days, to right. do it. 
it. Yeah. yeah. I remember back in the days that the summers was to watch all the whole season back again. And, yeah. and in the summertime on network television, now this is going to blow people's minds because it's something I barely remember. Well, I do. I mean, I remember it, but it's so long ago. Like, summertime was reruns. Yes. They got rid of that model. It mm. is now reality shows, right. new shows, and then the, the new shows start, to, they don't generally put reruns on in yeah. the summertime I think anymore. it shows like uh, The Dome on CBS. That was a summer show. And then, yeah. yeah, now they, I mean, television has just changed. Now we have fall shows. We have winter shows. Yeah. Spring, spring shows, summer, and then summer shows. So we have like a, all the seasons. We yep. have the shows now. Yeah. Back in the day, it was just September to May, right? And that was it. And yeah. then summertime was dead. I think they're probably trying to somewhat compete with cable now. I and mean, streaming cable. and cable. Yeah, because yeah, they have our attentions more. There's a where am I promo? <laughs> Twin Peaks moved to Wednesdays for the season finale. Diane, it's 9:02, and I can't find Twin Peaks. At 8.57, I entered the Double R Diner for the Double Java Hold the Cow special, and when I returned, it was gone. The irony here is not lost. I have searched diligently for six weeks to find Laura's murderer, and now Twin Peaks is missing. My dream revealed that its new location begins with the letter W, which would make Wednesday an obvious choice. But what about Walla Walla? The season finale of Twin Peaks, Wednesday at 10, 9 central. If Twin Peaks has moved to Wednesday, Diane, one question remains. Where am I? Walla Walla. Because it goes, <laughs> I think it starts with a W. Walla Walla or Wednesday. Um, so, like, funny. Twin Peaks had moved. They were on Thursdays up against Cheers, and then, and then I think for the season finale, they, they moved, moved to Walla Walla. Walla Walla. Disc three. Now, this is an interesting uh, little bit. I really enjoyed it. A slice of lynch. Uncut. Was that a play in words? Because a slice of pie is uncut. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> now, this is, is this Lynch? Machen Amick, Kyle McLaughlin, and John Wentworth. Mm-hmm. His, uh, he was David Lynch's assistant. The one thing I noticed is David Lynch, and he's sitting there, and this woman walks over to the waitress. She's wearing a Sparkwood in 21 shirt. I nice. paused it. That's a Sparkwood in 21 shirt. Very cool. That's very cool little Easter so- egg. Some of these extras were on the gold box. So this would be one of them that yeah, was originally yeah. on the gold box, but now it's an HD, and it's saying uncut. I can't remember what's different about it. Like, it'd be interesting to bring up the old one and mm. see, is there really that many differences? You know, I noticed the audio was off on it, though, at times. Well, there, it's interesting you bring that up, because there is a complaint about this Blu-ray set that some people have experienced audio problems with it. And that's unfortunate. I... Either I'm not paying attention enough, or I've just been lucky, and I don't. I haven't seen really that many problems with it. During the uncut, mm-hmm. it, it's multiple multi-camera, yeah. and it looks like sometimes some of the cameras, their mouths are just a couple a couple frames off. Yeah, and then it'll go to a different camera. And it looks fine. And I don't think it's the actual production of it, like uh, the recording or the video, I mean, of putting it together. I think it's the, the disc. Yeah, There's something, something wrong weird. with the disc. Yeah. So that's a great interview, and I highly recommend it. Lynch does talk about meeting Mark Frost. Hmm. Mark Frost is the book The Goddess, the Marilyn Monroe right. uh, bio. They wrote that. They were going to write that together. Yeah, and yeah. then... It really, you, there's some int- that was like one of the interesting nuggets mm. in there. And then how Twin Peaks was going to be called Northwest Passage in North Dakota. Mm. Um, or that was the working title. It sounded like that was just like a placeholder title, maybe. Yeah. They also talk about how he calls Kyle McLaughlin Kale. And Kale. Kale. Your full name is Kyle McLaughlin. But I call you Kale. <laughs> and um, there, there's a, I remember why I it's call you story. Kale. Dino De Laurentiis could never pronounce Kyle's name. He called him Kale. Yep. And so I started calling him Kyle Kale. <laughs> and that's the way it's been for years and years and years. Well, he introduces everybody and he says Machen Amick. Machen? Yeah. He was mispronouncing her name. And she even talks about how he was mispronouncing her name for so long that she's like, oh no, I should correct him and mm. she goes to correct him and he goes oh i know <laughs> and then uh kyle mclaughlin would he would say kale and then uh john wentworth he calls him jw uh. so he, he seems like he has a nickname for everybody yep something that's just fun how kyle mclaughlin got into twin peaks how machin got into acting which is an interesting story they're at a bar is that what you'd say yeah they're, they're at they're... A, a bar and they're, they're he's drinking coffee and he smokes a cigarette and they're yeah. all drinking coffee yeah it's cool. And this location, they, they will reuse this location this where this was shot for 
war between two worlds. So when we get that, so this was originally shot. I mean, it would be like seven years before they did the blue the Blu-ray. They did the the gold box. Oh, and so, okay, yeah. And it's kind of in that same vein as in Between Two Worlds. It's interesting. He asked everybody's favorite moment. His favorite moment of Twin Peaks is getting to kiss Machen Amick. Ah. And then when he asked Machen Amick what her favorite part is, yes. she kissing David Lynch. Ah. <laughs> I think that's so sweet. And I got to kiss you, Magikin. I know. I feel honored. <clears throat> that, well, I feel, are you kidding me? One of the highlights of, you know, of my life. And I remember thinking, how sick is this? <laughs> Writing that into it so I could kiss <laughs> But still the pen kept. Yeah. <laughs> it was automatic writing. Automatic yeah. writing. Coming, coming. For me, it was, you know. <laughs> how many takes did we have to do with that? A lot. <laughs> we had to do a lot. We had to get it just right. There was focus problems. Yeah, I there know. was battery problems. There was always something going on. <laughs> I felt honored that uh, Agent Cole could only hear one person on this uh -huh. earth, and it was Shelly Johnson. <laughs> that just was my favorite moment of all during the whole right, series. Right. And how, how Gordon Cole came to be, Sunset Boulevard, was a character of Sunset Boulevard. I'm sure you told us. And then how there's a street called Gordon Cole. In their intersecting streets. Hmm. So that was really cool. They were forced upon giving us the killer. Like his biggest regret, tell us who the killer was. Mm -hmm. He seemed that was, he seemed almost like when he says it, you could see on his look on his face, he's just like, he had it. They were just kind of forced into yeah. this box and they didn't, he really didn't want to go down there. He, he's, he described Laura's mystery as the tree and everybody was the branches. Mm -hmm. And once he said that mystery was solved, that kind of fell yeah. for him. It wasn't his favorite thing. And I totally you know? get where he come, he's coming from that, like, that kind of held everything together. I guess I disagree. And it's funny because Mark Frost for the longest time disagreed with him, but over, over the years, he mm. now kind of agrees more with Lynch. But I still disagree because, like, I don't think we ever would find out who killed Laura Palmer we wouldn't we wouldn't have got the amazing last episode episode 29 yeah that whole stuff so we would have missed out on so much because if they had just kept on going ABC would have canceled them and we would have all been outraged and been like who killed Laura Palmer? Palmer so it's kind of like I'm glad it's the one time mm -hmm. where I'm glad the network forced them to reveal it because we got good reveal of who killed Laura Palmer and yeah and you know, if you think about it David Lynch is so used to making his own movies he doesn't yeah. have to explain anything and you're on a TV show and I, I totally agree with you what you're saying like we understand this is what you would do in a movie mm -hmm. but this is more than just you i think a tv show takes on a life of its own if you don't give a good payback to the audience we'll yeah. abandon you eventually but just the look on his face when he said it oh, he just seemed kind of yeah right? it, I mean, you know and you know that he he wasn't done telling the laura palmer story and that's why when it came time for uh fire walk with me he wanted to go mm -hmm. back to the laura palmer stories uh jw it's one of his is like his assistant at the time and he did foley and he did like sound mixing hmm. and he explained the whole schedule like crazy scheduling you know yeah. seven days almost of just one episode next next episode wow. and they asked about his favorite part and his favorite part was he'd go out with the microphone and just record the wind Hmm. And then he said when he got to watch the episode and he heard the wind, yeah. for some reason that was like, this is something really cool. Yeah. Like, because he was out there laying on the ground with a microphone <laughs> and then he got to hear it in the mix and he yeah. said it really like, wow, this is really cool. So that was awesome. Cool little stories. And they asked David Lynch his favorite moment. And he had seven words. I love Twin Peaks in its world. And I think that's something that echoes now because that's why he's coming back with season three. Yep. It's like he loves that world. and Yeah, I, I feel like he's always loved that world. I think some people thought he was sick of it, but I think he's always loved that world. I think when he when he built his uh, his website there, davidlynch.com, and it was a, the paid membership, there was little sprinkles of Twin Peaks in there. And I feel like he, I think he always loved it, and I'm glad that he's returning to it. Round off this just we have promos. We have the Wizard of Oz promo, which we've aired on the show. Yep. With, you can hear David Lynch say cut and everything. Yes. That was the promo that the Saturdays to Thursdays. Yes, so I mean, 
I think some of the blame was they felt like the ratings had gone down because they had moved from from most of the season on on first season on Thursdays to Saturdays on, on the second season. Diane, Thursdays at nine eight central. There's no place like home. No place like home. <laughs> and then there was a Twin Peaks Sheriff Department shirts promo. Hello, Mr. Gerard. I need to see Sheriff Truman. Are you here to sell him some more shoes? Much more important. It's the official. Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department T-shirts. Uh-huh. Did you was, buy a shirt? I have a shirt, but I don't think I had the sheriff's shirt. I had another shirt. So it's Mike. Mike comes into the police station. Yes, selling Lucy's shoes. there. Lucy's, Lucy's there, there. Yeah, and, he, yeah. and he goes, I need to sell shoes, but I also have these Twin Peaks Sheriff <laughs> shirts. <laughs> I don't even remember that commercial. I don't even remember seeing it. it, it, it the quality's horrible. Uh, it's like a VHS recorded off right. a TV uh, quality. The Xmas greeting, which we played last Christmas. Yes. Ho, ho, ho. Season's greetings from Agent Cooper and the gang and all those Douglas furs up here in Twin Peaks. I've heard that audio because of this show, but I never saw it. And it's just like a bunch of ornaments. Yeah, animated. And, like animated, yeah. and they're just spinning around. It's like a Saturday morning cartoon bumper. I've seen it. It's like, is that really? Did they really do that? Yeah, <laughs> they did. They did. They really did it. It's cool. I liked it. Oh. Then they have the Middle East promo where they're saying like, Special Agent Dale Cooper here sending out a great big hello from everyone at Twin Peaks to all the allied forces out there in the Middle East. We want you to know that you're missed, you're loved, we want you to come home soon. Here's your pie, Agent Cooper. Well, thanks, Shelly. Say hello to the Allied forces out there in the Middle East. Hi, guys. Keep doing a great job. Good work. And from the crew as well. And you've got uh, you've got Cooper and, and Shelly. Shelly, and yeah, they're just hanging. Out. Oh, and Bobby's in the background yes. into them and stuff. And and they're yeah, it's a greetings to the troops, which is really cool because this is the first Gulf War is at this time ninety one. That's a bit of history right there. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and and Cooper gives the thumbs up. Yes, and it's like that's like. And the, you see the photo of Cooper and Shelly giving thumbs yeah, up everywhere, that, right? And yeah. you're like, that never happens in the show. Right, but and you don't know ha- what, what the context is. Like, what was the point of that? And then to find out, right, it's part of this commercial. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And then this was cool. They had season two pictures that Albert would have taken, like uh, pictures of the hair, just like evidence. This would have been his findings from his autopsies or yeah. or whatever he, yep. he was investigating. Yeah, yeah it was kind of cool. Neat. You get to see those. Yeah. So that takes us on to disc four. Deleted scenes and outtakes. This is a deleted scene, which was kind of cool. It was the only, there wasn't really that much. There wasn't much. Yeah, it's so disappointing. Like, and there is more out there. I know there's more out there. I don't know if they were able to get them or what what the deal was, but I'm pretty sure there's a lot more out there. Really? Yeah. I have to search. So, the best deleted scene, there's two deleted scenes that I, I wanted to highlight. Cooper. This is when they're going to the town hall for the mayor. The mm. mayor's going to have about right. Laura's dead and everything. Yes. Is this thing working? Is this thing on? Yes. <laughs> Which I realized that was a callback yes. in, the, in the episode with uh, episode 28. Cooper and Annie are dancing and the mayor shows up on the stage. Yes. Yes, it's a callback all the way to the pilot. Wow. Michael. I was like, that's so cool. Yeah. You know, I've seen these in pictures, but this is an actual gazebo right here in your city square. This is beautiful. You bet. You know, I'm from Philadelphia. And a thing like... Cooper? Cooper, you're gonna make us late for that meeting. This is a bear carved from Douglas fir. Yes, it is. Take, for instance, these hedges. Cooper. These are very meticulously made. Cooper, old buddy. He's like, oh, this is a gazebo. This is Harry, and he was like, it's a gazebo. He's like, we don't have these in Pennsylvania. Oh man! It made Cooper seem almost like too naive. Yeah, I mean, I like it was like, oh, ducks on the lake. I mean, that's cool, but yeah, I don't know if yeah. I care for like a gazebo. gazebo? <laughs> it's like saying a stop sign. Yeah, yeah right. I'm know. like the it's guy. Like, come yeah, on now. I don't know. It's not that exciting. We always fascinated him was about nature, and these type of things aren't nature. They're like yeah. objects. The stuff that interests me was the Johnny Horn stuff. Johnny Horn's acting this way because Audrey threw him down the stairs, and Jacoby's like, no, it's not because of that. And, and Audrey and... left by that point, so she never even heard Jacoby say that. So that was interesting. I mean, I think we've talked about this before. There was a whole storyline where it looked like Johnny maybe had the, the secrets to who killed Laura Palmer, and if you could... I think I thought that, too. I think yeah. that was like a theory I had. Yeah, maybe. but I yeah. think that was really what they were going for. And yeah, I mean it wasn't needed. Man. I think I think I was intrigued by 
Audrey and maybe the issues that she has. Like, it's interesting to see, like, maybe she acts out and maybe she acts the way she does is because all the attention's on her brother, but now she has this guilt of finding out that maybe she caused it, which she didn't, but yeah, she yeah. missed that. But now she maybe she's going to change because of this whole thing. And know. you know, Audrey had the most, over the course of the season, I think she had one of the most dramatic changes in character development. Yeah, from one she, season to the next, yeah. She went from, like, this... I'm going to mess around with people just because yeah. I can to this, I want to be a businesswoman. Right. And I think that has to do with Sherilyn Fenn. I mm. think Sherilyn Fenn had a lot to say about that, which I kind of missed the uh, the playful uh, Audrey in the second season. But I mean, she still did a great job yeah. as businesswoman Audrey. They didn't have Invitation to Love on there, did they? No. Because I've seen the outtakes of that. That would have been a great thing to have. I, they didn't it, have uh, Mark Frost as the reporter. Nope. These are these are two things that I would like to see deleted scenes of. I've seen them before, but it would be great to have them on are there. Are they an Easter egg on this thing? Because I looked for Easter eggs. I, I couldn't find it. Oh, there are some Easter eggs. So we're going to go to disc five. This is an interesting documentary. Return to Twin Peaks Festival. Our friend that we met at the Great Southerns in it, Chris Matthews. Yes. He's been at several festivals. Yeah, he was party time Leo Johnson. <laughs> and I videotaped it on my phone, and I sent him out. Uh, I sent it to him on Facebook. And I'm Did like, he oh, comment? Did he yes! Yeah. I go, Chris, it's you! I found you! <laughs> it's so cool. I watched this documentary way back when, when we started doing the show, and then I watched it now, and I'm like, wow. Even though I don't know some of these people, I recognize them on Facebook. Isn't that something? Isn't it crazy? It and Chris Matthews, I was like, oh my god, I know him. That's awesome. That's really cool. And how cool is it? You don't see on a show like this, uh, a national show to put on a DVD, a, twi- a festival document. Yeah. Yeah, it's so cool. Then you have the location guide, which is really cool. It's a map. They give you the map and the addresses for all the major places in Twin Peaks. And it's so cool laid out. You click on it. Hmm. The guy who does a narration on who's interviewed during the, um, the festival, he gives you a rundown of where this location was. And how to get to it. Then you have the Glastonbury Archives. Now, why do they call it the Glastonbury Archives? Well, Glastonbury is where the uh, sycamore trees are. It's the whole... Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know... There was a whole Glastonbury um, website that archived this stuff. I didn't know if that's what they were referring to or they're just using it as Glastonbury, the where the sycamore trees are. Oh, yeah. I, I wasn't sure. So you have... The woman, Pat, who had owned the diner, the double R, she talks about the pies. It's really cool, fascinating. There's an interview with Mark Frost by John Thorne and ah, his partner. Right, Craig did, right? Craig Miller. It's, yep, wrapped in plastic. And it's an interesting history lesson. We've talked about it on the show. We've had John Thorne on the show multiple times. Mm. He talks about this, how they had to reshoot their stuff because of copyright content behind them. Yeah. So they had to pretend they're re-talking to Mark uh, right. Frost. It's unfortunate. But it, it's such a good interview. Yeah, it it's is. It's cool. And I think it's, it's it really is a little bit of history for us to, ha- to actually, you know, these guys did amazing work. Yeah. For, you know, all those years that they did. Is it 13 years or something like that that they did? And yeah. have... 75 issues of wrapped in plastic and to know that they hey they're part they're part of the archive of Twin Peaks that, you know they're part of the legacy I guess That is really cool. And something. that's why John Thorne is the godfather. He is the godfather of Twin Peaks. <laughs> then one of the most interesting extras on this disc learning to speak in the red room with uh Mike. Yep. Little Mike there. Michael Anderson. Michael Anderson. He's on this really bad cheesy green screen. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm assuming he filmed this at his house because he has a YouTube page where he's in front of green screen. It's really bad. Um, <laughs> and he teaches you how to speak backwards. Let's rock Carstel. It's very good. Yeah, and he, he did this at a young age. I think, I don't remember if it was in high school or where he learned to do, speak backwards. Because I remember when Lynch was saying, hey, hey, uh, you know, we're going to do this whole Red Room sequence and we're going to try having you go- speak backwards. It's like, oh, I already do that. And it's like, oh, and that yeah. made Lynch happy to know that, hey, <laughs> you know, we don't have to teach you. you. You know how to. He would teach other cast members how to do that to prepare for the Red Room. Oh, stuff. wow. Yeah. So that's cool. And then there's a segment called Intro to David Lynch. And this is really sweet. It's the mind of David Lynch through friends and cast members. Uh, Catherine Coulson's on there and... It's really cool to see her and yeah. really like interesting stories about 
how they met David Lynch. And back in the day, you had a thing called a bumper between the show and the commercial, which you generally don't have anymore. Mm. I don't, you don't see those that much. Not really. They, yeah, mm. they don't have it. Yeah. So they call it Lucy bumpers, and it's between the show and the commercials where Lucy's like, Time for a cup of joe and a donut. Twin Peaks will be right back. Have another donut. We'll be back with Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, that donut was good. Yeah. Back to Twin Peaks. And now that takes you out of the moment. Yeah. I think you fade to black, commercial, go back to black, show. Right. You don't really see bumpers anymore. But they're funny. It's funny yeah, to yeah. have her speaking and saying, you know. <laughs> do you remember those when watching the show? I do. I do remember them. Did they, they put, so- were, were they like every commercial break or just kind of once in a while? <laughs> I mean, they definitely they were de- they were definitely in every show. I can't. I don't think they were probably in every commercial like yeah, break. Yeah. But they were probably like like maybe the you know halfway through point where they'd be like, oh yeah, we're still you know still doing the show here. We'll be right back. But mm. yeah, but yeah, every show definitely had at least once that they had these bumpers. And it, it Twin Peaks was an hour long show, so if you put a bumper at the half hour mark and people are flipping channels right. between their shows. And they saw that bumper. I yeah. guess that would be more of an identification that the show is still on. Yeah, check so it maybe out. That's why I did it. And, yeah. and it's funny to think back in the day. We're talking 91, 90, 91, where they you couldn't fast forward. You, you couldn't really. Yeah, you couldn't yeah. fast forward with a DVR, and it, you're stuck. Yeah, you're kind of stuck. <laughs> I mean, you could you could flip the channel, I guess, but it just it's. A, I have a DVR, and I'm just so used to just like. You yeah, know, you know, fast forwarding when I can if if I started the show late or something. Like yeah, that. But, exactly. Yeah. And then the one nine hundred promo ads. Yeah, with I all love- the sheriff, Hall, which which we aired on yep, the show. Yeah, we have more production images and stills. There's Richard Beamer Gallery. Mm. Now John Thorne has told us there is a lot more. Yeah, so these images were like the last week of production of the last episode. There was no longer a press or a person taking pictures, so he he asked if he could, and he just took all these pictures. Amazing there photos. There was something else. I'm really hoping someday Richard Beamer will do like a coffee table book. I think that would be awesome to yeah. have all these photos in like a coffee table book that you could just take out and look in. Oh, I mean, I know a lot of them are available, available. You can probably find them online, or I mean, you have them on the Blu-ray. But there's something about actually having a mm. book to actually open up and look at them, and maybe you could share. Yeah, right uh, now, be like Twin Peaks, the coffee table book, with yeah. all those photos, oh, a little description. That would be something. Yeah, it would be amazing. And then you, um, there's unit stills, and then the Twin Peaks cards, which you can you yeah, can those the pick cards. Up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that takes us to disc six. This is an interesting uh, disc because it has a thing called postcards from the cast. Mm. And it's basically the cast just giving little stories of being on Twin Peaks. Nothing fantastic. I mean, they're interesting to listen to. Yeah. But you almost feel like when I was listening to them, I'm like, oh, I've heard a lot of these stories already. Yep. Then you have promos. Um, the promos, Twin Peaks going to Saturdays. <laughs> it's like you're watching the history unfold yes, here. Yes. That takes us to disc seven. Disc seven has a lot of interesting stuff. There's a thing called cast where it's origin, production, and legacy. Mm. And it's on a grid. Yes. So you can say Dave Duchovny production. Mm-hmm. You click it and it'd be like a minute long, him talking about him dressing up as Denise. Yes. And just watch these clips, or you can watch them all. This section came from season two DVD. So it's really? there was the season two DVD set, and then there was the golden gold box, and then now there's the Blu-ray. So this is like two wow. two, two DVDs back, or oh you know, my back. God. so and you can tell the quality is not as quite as good. The the grid, I I don't think it's the images aren't as sharp and mm-hmm. the quality it looked a lot to me like they were all in hotels. Everybody was like in a hotel. Like Dave Duchovny was outside of a hotel window. A lot of these people looked like they were probably on location somewhere else filming something. Yeah. Maybe Dave Duchovny was doing another show. But everybody looked like they were in hotels. Then we go to crew interviews. And this is really cool. I just want to go through some of the people. The most fascinating one to me was Jennifer Lynch. Mm. I was called at my home and asked to meet my father and Mark Frost at Mark's house. I was brought into one of the back rooms and uh, the door was closed and there was a moment of silence before I was told that I was one of three air-breathing mammals to know who the killer was. And I won't say specifically what I was told, 
but I can tell you that uh, I was then one of three smiling people in that room. I was given a list of characters to create in the diary, and I was given a semblance of ideas, um, certainly about where the show was going to go. But the beauty of it was that, in fact, in the same meeting during which I was told who the killer was to be, I was given so much creative freedom and I was just told basically these are the people that we need to have mentioned and uh, do with them what you will. So it was a real gift. I mean I really got to build Laura as as I wanted to. It was a good feeling. Thank you for full like full freedom. Thank you yes. for no constriction she says. She's like they gave me whatever I wanted to do. Jennifer Lynch in this interview says people have said to her is this some of these stories based off your life or, mm. you know, she goes, there's two. And one of them I can't tell you. But one of them is the dream about the rat huh. and how uh, Laura chews off her foot or she cuts off her foot before yeah. the rat could do it. She said, I've had, she goes, I've had that dream. That was my dream. Wow. But she doesn't indulge us with this, with the other one. Right. She goes, there's two, but I can only tell you one. The mystery. Have you ever heard that? Oh or, yeah, I've, I've heard. Have you heard? I've heard her say that, and she and to this day she has still never told us what that other one. Not that I don't even know if I want to know because some mm. of the stuff in that book is you know very disturbing. sexual, very disturbing. Yeah. So if it is anything related to that, I don't think I want to know. And she looks so much like her dad. Oh yeah, and it's just really funny. Yeah, and what a talented woman. And she is. you had Todd Holland, who was a director in season two. Mm. You have Zoe Deschanel's dad, Caleb Deschanel, talks about how he came up with the whole flashlight dance. Mm, with Ben and, and Jerry there. Yeah. When they're, they're reminiscing about the days when they were young. That was Fincher's sister, David Fincher's sister, and she would hang around there, but didn't have anybody to do it. And she's mm. like, yeah, I'll do it. That's cool. Dwayne Dunham. Started off as an editor with Blue Velvet. Yeah. We talked about the story before, yep. that he, he basically got became a director because he agreed with Lynch that he would edit Wild at Heart. In return, Lynch let him direct the first episode of Twin Peaks. And then you have Tim Hunter, who directed some episodes, and Stephen Gyllenhaal, another famous father. Those are all great interviews. Oh, yeah, good stuff. You got to watch them. Disc 8. So we're getting we're getting close to the end here. There's an interesting documentary called Creating Twin Peaks Secrets from Another Place. Right, Secrets from Another Place, Creating Twin Peaks. And so what this is is... It has a series of little tiny uh, vignettes about the making of the pilot, season one, music starring Angelo Benamente, and uh, a little vignette about the making of season two. All four of those together is an hour and a half. Wow. Now, I sat down for almost six hours. <laughs> I don't know if I could have sat down for another, another, added another hour and a half to that. So I got a taste of these. I got to go back and watch these. Yep. But they're well worth it. And then this takes us to disc nine. Now, disc nine is Firewalk With Me. We got the movie on there. Mm. We got the missing pieces, which we've already discussed. But it's got archive interviews. They're very short and sweet. You have Ray Wise, Cheryl Lee, Maura Kelly, who's Donna number two, my favorite Donna, and Machen Amick talking about Firewalk With Me. Which is interesting because Machen Amick is barely in it. Donna number two was kind of cool to see something from her. And it's like almost like little things you would see nowadays where someone's talking and they're talking about the film to promote it. Right. Because they're, she's talking to a reporter, it looks like, and she's just, they're like, oh, what do you think about the movie? She's like, oh, you're going to love it. It's just crazy. You know, like yes. they're just saying things for promotion, yep. like promotional spots. So this takes us to the gem. The gem. The gem of the box set, disc number 10, which we're going to go into it between two worlds. David Lynch talks with Sarah Leland and Laura Palmer. It's interesting because it starts off in color and David Lynch introduces them and he goes into black and white. And then David Lynch talks to these characters... He resurrected them from the dead. This is a really beautiful day, a very interesting time, and an interesting turn of events. I'm sitting here with the Palmer family, Leland Palmer, Sarah Palmer, 
and Laura Palmer. And it was kind of depressing. Mm. And I think, I can't remember who said this to us. Maybe Joel. It was Joel. Yep. When we saw this on the Blu-ray, I thought, well, this is the end of Twin Peaks. This is the last we'll ever get of footage. Yeah. Me too. And it was kind of perplexing in that sense. Yeah. Actually, I know uh, Cameron, who does the Obnoxious and Anonymous podcast, he said he didn't even watch it because he's like, I don't want the last piece of Twin Peaks to be the actor sitting in a restaurant in L.A. with David Lynch. At this moment, this was going to be the last thing you'd ever see of Twin Peaks right. in this world. And if this was depressing, I didn't want my last memories to be hmm. this. And I could see why. I love the format where, like, we were in another world, like, where David Lynch is sitting down with these characters, and he's like, yeah, he's just, like, he wants to, like, see where are they now. And Sarah, I'd like to start with you because you're still living. Are you uh, still living in Twin Peaks? Yes. In the same house? Mm, yes. Have you remarried or are you with anyone? I'm alone. Could you tell us how life is for you now and share with us some memories or feelings of your time when you were with your husband and your daughter? Now, well, it's about the same, I guess. I mean, obviously, it's not. <clears throat> but the house is basically the same. Um, there are lots of things falling apart. It's funny, it's 25 years later, but she's still like really depressed. And she's really, she tries to put on a show and smile when she goes to the grocery store, but she's yeah. really, she's really miserable. I mean, and she's alone, you know, like he, you know, she said, oh, I didn't remarry and I'm still kind of by myself. The and house is falling apart. Yeah. So and, this old lady. And Gothism, they talk about the house representing the person. And it's, so it's like the idea that the house is falling apart. You're really talking about yourself is that like I'm falling apart. The foundation. Yeah. It's cracked. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, then, and then, and then, you get into Leland and Leland you've been dead for around 25 years now and I'd like to ask you how things are for you now and what are your feelings and memories of your wife Sarah and your daughter Laura <clears throat> Well, I'm not sure that I can explain the now, but I have memories. Really the fondest of memories of Sarah and Laura. I think I love them more than anyone ever. Sarah, especially in the beginning, I was head over heels, head over heels in love beguiling she was with that crazy laugh <laughs> yeah I remember the happy moments in the house and later as things sometimes do changes meetings with different people Some of them even as young as my daughter. Younger. But the love was still there. Burning. The love of family. You know, so it's hard to believe, but it was there. It was so dark then. And the things that were being done 
They were not done by me. I did not do those things. Laura was my princess. He's still not owning up to doing these acts. Like, he, he says that, like, oh, you know, there were good times and then there were bad times. But he's like, yo, this wasn't my fault. This wasn't me. He doesn't say Bob, but he does. He basically still not owning that this could if this had anything to do with him. But he does say, he does say, because I, I was seeing girls, mm-hmm. girls younger than myself, some girls that, that were 18. No, younger than, her, than his daughter. Yeah, you, yeah, you're younger than his daughter. But his love for his family never faltered. And right. that, that was his, you know, this really still having Leland talk to David Lynch like this, it mm. kind of breaks the narrative um, is interesting because it's some it's a character beyond his death we never got to talk to. We saw him once in the in the uh, red room, but last episode. Yeah, but he's like, I didn't kill her. It wasn't me. That was kind of a mocking one, the two. Like, I did not kill anybody. I always felt that was the evil Leland, obviously, because the real, the the good Leland died because the the evil one escaped. Mm. The owl took off. Yeah, you know his spirit. So, or the evil spirit, and yeah, it is kind of crazy it it still doesn't give you a definitive answer about anything it really makes it more confusing then we get to laura laura you've also been dead for over 25 years and i'd like to ask you what is uh life for you now and what are your feelings and thoughts uh memories of your time with your mother and father. There's a lot of things that people don't know. It's the same way with me. Sometimes even much less than half is known. Sometimes more. I used to love horses. Many things happened. Many things all at once, like a circus with dark creatures at night with flickering lights. And I knew, I knew a man named Bob. And when he came to visit me, I knew that my life was over. And then there was a time when I cried because I was so happy. Because I saw what it was. And it was so beautiful. I was awake. There are still questions. Questions about the truth of it all. I meet many people with no names. Bless your heart. And she's the most mysterious. Mm. And us as fans, maybe we should have realized this wasn't the end of, of, of Twin Peaks because she it is a whole new mystery out there. Laura starts off by saying there's a lot of things that people don't know. Oh, there's something we don't know about yeah. her. And, 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 and she ends it. Laura says, there are still questions, questions about the truth of all of it. I met many people with no names. And I love Dave Lynch ending with, bless your heart, Laura. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so there's very cryptic. So it's like you think you know everything about Laura, but oh, there's more out there. And like, I saw this, and I when we saw the Blu-ray, I was like, oh, this is how it's gonna end. We're just gonna believe that like there's something more to it, and not realizing that Twin Peaks was coming back. Yeah, what she does say does leave you like what? And I right. so this is what people have been saying that after we found out it's coming back for season three. 
it was very cryptic. People yeah. kind of dug into that, right? Yeah, and Laura, out of out of the three of them, Laura, uh, Sarah, and Leland, uh, Laura doesn't really smile. I mean, there isn't a lot of emotion there, and you don't you feel like there's still pain and uncertainty, and that things haven't been resolved. And did you notice when they go back into them just talking, the actors, the yeah. actors, Ray Wise, he does say something interesting. But I, I would also like to work one more time with David, somewhere along the line, and with. Both of you, somewhere along the line, and uh, then uh, then maybe the circle will be complete. Beautiful. Working with you guys would really complete the circle. Ah. And I thought that was interesting. Yes. Because circles and Twin Peaks, we've always right. discussed this, and the way he said that, and they laugh. Yeah. It's like they know something. Yes. Right. Yeah. That is. The gem of this Blu-ray. I mean, to, it, besides the deleted scenes. Oh yeah, yeah, of, yeah, of yeah. Bay, I'm saying right. bonus well, extras, scenes, right. extras, extras. Yeah, yeah. this is like you, you watch all this stuff and you get to this and you're just like, wow, yeah, it's so haunting. And David Lynch is so clever, and just to say, hey, let's talk to these characters for ten minutes. And I want to know, do you? Th- okay, you have the script there. But was that scripted out? Did David Lynch just say, say what you want to say about your characters? I, I'm really interested in knowing about that. He brought these actors, mm-hmm. and that day he handed out scripts for them to look at. Oh. So, so they, I mean, I don't. I think that I think they didn't know about this scene and everything until that. So they had probably, you know, a very short period of time to look over the script and tell their lines. But it wow. is. It seemed natural. It seemed natural, but it is. It was scripted. Lynch, I believe, scripted it all out and handed out pages. I mean, the people that were even, uh, you know, the director and people working on this didn't even know Lynch was going to come in with a script. So, in theory, they might not have known the idea of season three was in his head. They just read the script and maybe. They didn't know. Right. Maybe they said this and thought nothing of it. At that time, though, Ray Wise seemed to keep hinting that Twin Peaks was coming back. So Fair the three, enough. I feel like Ray Wise might have known. But so I maybe give you a little more backstory I think is really interesting. It's that casting call. Twin Peaks promo, directed by David Lynch, shooting in Los Angeles on Tuesday, January 7th, 2014. Probably a six-hour or less day. Hot Cajun girl, brunette or redheads only, to play waitress, age 18 to 27. Must have an amazing body. What? <laughs> and so people were people were, didn't know what was going on. It was like, was this, was Twin Peaks coming back? Like first that they thought it was actually a new something, some new Twin Peaks show or something. Mm-hmm. And it was later on discovered that this was just part of the Blu-ray. If I had to pick bonuses, it is in between two worlds. Yes. And the missing pieces for bonuses. Yeah. It's one of my favorite box sets. I don't think I'm one of those people who was like, oh, cool, a box set, and I buy it. And then I generally will won't watch anything for a while. But this, I feel like I could just keep going back to it. So unfortunately, I think there's two things missing from this, at least for me, missing from mm. this Blu-ray that I wish they had. And I mean, I think they could have had trouble uh, oh. getting getting access to it. So the two I wish it was on the Blu-ray to complete the entire mystery, or just to complete it, would be the the Saturday Night Live sketch. Kyle McLaughlin was on. That would be right from NBC. This was a CBS right, product. Right. So, so it was it was on the gold box. Oh wow! That's what I mean. So it, at one point we were so in one of our collections in the gold box. It, I believe it's on that. So rights might have ran out for Maybe. Them to have it. Right. Yeah. And the other one is is the Georgia Coffee ads. You're right. Those weren't in here. Right. And they were on the box. I think they were on the gold box as well. So oh. those two, those are probably the only two I wish could have been on the Blu-ray. And, oh, that's uh, a maybe, shame. Maybe when we, uh, maybe on our next Blu-ray edition or when they put out the new series, they can add that or who yeah, knows. who knows? So Charles Delarica, he uh, produced this and he does a great job. Oh, I mean, yeah. like it's amazing the the quality that he does in this. And like I love, I don't know, we, we can talk about it for a second. The menus, like there's there's music in the menu. I mean, yeah. there's sound bites in the. Like it'll be a theme of cherry pie, and you'll see all these video scenes of people eating cherry pie or talking about cherry pie. And it's just yep. the quality is so good mm-hmm. in in the structure of this DVD. Oh, yeah, and like definitely. he he went around and, and collected all this stuff and decided what was going to be in the in the Blu-ray set. And it's it's really good. And such if you if you look at the DVDs, I'm not trying to diss the DVDs, the original DVDs, but to see 
see that to go to the gold, gold box and then the Blu-ray. It's just amazing the work that they put into this. On Twitter, I think somebody asked Mark Frost, hey, will there be publicity for this for the show when it comes back? And he did respond and say, yeah, there'll definitely be a lot more publicity. And it kind of like they'll pump up yeah. the media when oh, yeah. we get closer Interviews to yeah. and stuff. Well, because yeah. we know it's coming. It's not like a, a surprise like when it, the show came back and or even the missing pieces came out and all of a sudden there was all this buzz. It's like we know that there's like a, a date on that. We don't know the exact date, but we know there's a date on the horizon. They did the uh, Between Two Worlds thing for the Blu-ray. I mean, basically, the last line of that interview, other than what Lynch himself says, is this weirdly ambiguous line. And I remember John Thorne and I were talking about it. We were trying to figure out, like, what does that mean, this and that? And then, like, you know, we talked again after the announcement of the Showtime thing, and we're like, oh, well, all it meant was that the show was coming back. Like, we were, like, making this big, you know metaphysical thing or at least i was like this big mm. metaphysical thing of like what could you know what could she mean by this statement and what does that what is lynch trying to or is there anything is it just dream imagery and it was like no it was pretty much like as close as lynch you know in his in his like lynch poetic way would get to just being like hey the show's coming back <laughs> that's basically <laughs> what it is pretty funny Thanks again to Silencio. You can find both their albums on iTunes and Apple Music, CD Baby, Amazon, and more. You can contact us on Facebook, Twin Peaks Unwrapped. We're on Twitter, Twin Peaks Unwrapped. And please, if we forgot something or if you have your favorite uh, stuff from the Twin Peaks box set and you want to let us know what it was, please email us at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. My favorites are still the deleted scenes. I waited... 25 years, almost oh, 25 years yeah, for those must, deleted yeah. scenes. I was so happy to see the Red Room with Kyle McLaughlin, you know, see Cooper and the little man from another place. So that still is uh, is the best yeah. out of the Blu-ray. That's awesome. All right, Ben, we are out of here. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a body dead wrapped in plastic. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two secret diaries and a body dead wrapped in plastic. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three possessed souls, two secret diaries and a body dead wrapped in plastic. Diane, on the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Four talking logs, three possessed souls, two secret diaries, and a body dead, wrapped in plastic. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five jelly donuts. Four talking logs, three possessed souls, two secret diaries, and a body dead, wrapped in plastic. On the sixth day of Christmas, my sweetheart gave to me six fish and a percolator. Five jelly donuts. Four talking logs. Three possessed souls. Two secret diaries. And a body dead, wrapped in plastic. On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me seven one-armed men. Six fish and a percolator. Five jelly Four talking logs, three possessed souls, two secret diaries, and a body dead, wrapped in plastic. Diane, on the eighth day of Christmas, I had a strange dream. Eight dancing midgets, seven one-armed men, six fish and a percolator, five, oh, five jelly donuts, sorry, oops. Four talking logs, three possessed souls, two secret diaries, and a body dead. Wrapped in plastic. On the ninth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me nine owls lurking. Eight dancing midgets. Seven one-armed men. Six fish and a percolator. Five 
Jelly donuts. Four talking logs. Three possessed souls. Two secret diaries. And a body dead, wrapped in plastic. On the tenth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me ten drooling Leo. Nine owls lurking. Eight dancing midgets. Seven one-armed men. Six fish and a percolator. Five jelly donuts. Four talking logs. Three possessed souls. Two secret diaries. And a body dead, wrapped in plastic. On the eleventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me eleven cherry pies. Ten drooling Leos. Nine owls lurking. Eight dancing midgets. Seven one-armed men. Six fish and a percolator. Five jelly donuts. Four talking logs. Three possessed souls. Two secret diaries. And a body dead, wrapped in plastic. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my sweetheart gave to me twelve cups of coffee, eleven cherry pies, ten drooling Leos, nine owls lurking, eight dancing midgets, seven one-armed men, six fish and a percolator, five dozen donuts. What? Four talking logs, three possessed souls, two secret diaries. And a body dead, wrapped in plastic. Amen. Amen. <laughs>